Welcome to episode 1169 of The Sleeper on the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette, who I am not currently speaking to because of his jinxing of Lance Lynn last night in a group text. Yeah, this could be a lot of uncomfortable silence. Good thing we have a, a third party on, on the podcast today, so we can actually have some communication. But you know, there's a group text with Eno, Paul, Justin, and myself. And you know, I'm at my uh, I'm at my nephew's state lacrosse finals last night in South Carolina, checking the box score. I'm like, hmm, Rays are being no hit through six innings. It's been a while since I've had to worry about that. Texted out and it's like, hey, Lance Lynn looks like he's back from the dead. And Justin's like, oh, I so needed this. I have him in nine leagues. Ten runs later, now only four of them were his because uh, Pedro Griefel, uh, assuming he still has a job by the end, I don't know. It's somebody's going to have to be a victim of this, but wow, that team is bad. Ten runs in the seventh inning. And then Justin's like, I'm not even talking to you anymore. Uh, so my jinx power worked. Uh, my nephew won the state lacrosse final, uh, which was awesome because the same team, there was a rematch against the same team as last year uh, that beat them 21 to nine. And my nephew's the goalie uh, of the team. And so this year they won 13, 10. So pretty cool for that. But uh, yeah, it was Justin's not talking to me. So we have a third party on today. And so I'm going to transfer the awkward moment of silence back to the host so he can introduce that person. Joining us today is Michael Govier of the Enrico Palazzo podcast and FTN. Michael, welcome to the show. All right. Now I'm on the sleeper in the bus version that features Jason and Justin. I've been on the Paul Spore version, so this is a new experience for me, and I'm happy to fill all of the awkward silence because <laughs> I'm very loud and it'll be annoying and people will probably turn it off. So maybe we'll just end the show early. Who knows? Hey, Michael, you're not as loud as our friends from uh, Kansas City that were at the AFL. <laughs> Remember those friends? Yeah. That, well, that was a that was a gaggle. That was quite a uh, group of loud people. I definitely remember them. That was fun. We had that a good was. time there. I, in between all the chaos with those ladies, I do remember a beautiful base hit by Heston Kierstad. That's what stood out to me the most that night, oddly enough. But those ladies, they were a lot of fun. They were good sports, too. Indeed, they were. Michael, why don't you remind everybody where you reach on social media and then talk about what you do in the industry because you are one of my favorite people in the industry. And uh, we were roommates in Vegas. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> a fun hangout with you all weekend. Got to see you in New York. Uh, you uh, you are just a ball of energy. Where can people find your work? Yeah, we had a running gag that I was sleeping every time Justin saw me, and I never saw him when I was awake except outside. He was always on the move. We have different sleeping schedules, I will say that. <laughs> but it was a lovely time, and I enjoyed the whole experience of Vegas like I do every year. You guys can talk to me on MJ Govier on Twitter if you want. Of course, the Palazzo Podcast is my home base for fantasy baseball. Two L's, two Z's. Follow us on Twitter. The Discord is free. We're pumping in there. We've got a lot of great people. You get free advice all day long in our Discord. And then at FTN, I read a weekly piece, ftnfantasy.com. Grooving with Govier. That was uh, the title we came up with. And basically, it's a weekly roundup. So if you want a look around what's going on in fantasy baseball, what just happened, what's coming up, it's a great way to pop in and check out my article. I like to have fun. You know, I have a few jokes mixed in. But Grooving with Govier at FTN Fantasy is a good time. Definitely go follow Michael. And if you haven't listened to the Enrico Palazzo podcast, go give it a listen. It's uh, it's definitely a fun podcast. You're going to learn a lot. Uh, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Michael. Uh, we are going to discuss uh, this week's fab. But first, we have some news uh, items to kind of cover. And it's it's not good news. It is, it is mostly bad news. Uh, 
we'll start off with the big news, which is Jacob DeGrom is going to the IL with an elbow slash forearm issue. Uh, This is the dreaded uh, precursor stuff to Tommy John, which is uh, pretty scary considering his kind of elbow history, uh, especially in recent years. Govier, how worried are you about Jacob DeGrom right now? Got to be terrified, but this is the price of admission. So, yes, I'm worried, (laughs) but I didn't really get on board outside of, I think, one draft late. I'm like, you know what? I want to get one piece, you know, one share of the experience that is rostering Jacob DeGrom. So I did do that. But other than that, I don't have him anywhere else. But certainly the fear is high and strong, and I <laughs> I expect the worst, but somehow he always seems to avoid it the last few years. But you got to feel like at this point, eh, I think it might come down to a possible TJ. But we can't make that assumption because we don't know that. But I'm hoping that he can kind of bounce back and maybe be back in two months suddenly. Maybe like a, you know, there's been guys like Jesus Lazardo. He went down. He had the forearm strain. I mean, it wasn't exactly the same issue that DeGrom has here. And he came back a couple months later last year and was serviceable. So it's not totally, totally a nightmare or DEFCON uh, 1. Is 1 the worst? I can't remember which DEFCON's the worst. But I would be excited. Five's the worst. Five's the worst. Okay, good. Zero, so is, I, zero is all all good. Five is like, uh-oh. Okay, well, it's, I'd oh, say I hope it's I DEFCON right. 4. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like DEFCON 1 was the worst in war games. That's how I learned about it. So the only reason I know what DEFCON is. Oh, wait. Is, I think you're right. Is, DEFCON 1 is cocked pistol. DEFCON 2 is fast paced. Nuclear <laughs> DEFCON 1, nuclear war is imminent. DEFCON well, there were the two. Oh, wow. I was right. I was wrong. You were correct here. Okay. We're at a two. War games. See, movies do teach you things that are accurate, but I'm Would at a two like right now. I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> what about you, Jason? How nervous are you on uh, DeGrom? I didn't take him anywhere. Did not take him anywhere in the season because this, uh, as, as Michael said, this is the price of admission. When I was on the Beat the Shift podcast this week, um, Ariel Cohen was talking that day. Like we recorded Thursday night. That day, he, I forgot who he traded. I'm like, you might as well because we know he's going to go home. And I when home, I mean the IL. And 24 hours later, he was there. So, yeah, I, th- this is yeah, this is what you know you're going to get. As I said on that podcast. If you could remove all the health issues, he's the best pitcher in baseball and arguably a 1-1 player. If we knew we could get 200-something inning at him, we can't. We can't, and this is why he was a free agent as long as he was because everybody knew that this was eventually where it was heading. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you have to be petrified. The only place I have him is in uh, the Raz Slam, which is a, a best ball league, uh, and so um, I wanted one share. But I think at this point, you're holding on at least for a week or two, but uh, like in NFBC where you only have a seven bench, you don't have any IL. I can understand dropping him and moving on. I don't think you want to necessarily do that, but most people right now are not untouched by injury. If you are playing fantasy baseball this year, you have a lot of red, whether it be a red case or just a red IL uh, letters on your roster. And so, um, it can be really difficult to hold a guy who's going to be out for two months. And if we know he's going to be out for two months, then I think he's probably going to be. It's difficult to hold a guy that's going to be out for a month. I've already dropped Mitch Garver in two leagues. Yeah. And I like oh, him. Yeah. It's like, it's a month out. And and this is, a, this is the league where he's two games shy of becoming catcher eligible. And I just, mm-hmm. I cannot hold out because it's going to be a month until he comes back. And then probably another two weeks before he gets the two games that he needs before I can use him a catcher, he's gone. I'm going to probably end up paying for him twice. 
uh, in a couple of these leagues. But it, it is what it is. I cannot. Uh, I'm, I know we're all dealing with carrying multiple guys. And last year, this is what did in a few of my teams. Is I sat on some of these guys too long. Now, it's when in doubt, cut. Sorry <laughs> if you paid twice for them. Yep. Yeah, some people might, depending on your situation, I know we're going to talk about Fab too, but some people are saying, hey, just switch over to Dane Dunning now. But by the way, Dane Dunning's K9 is horrendous to start this year, even though he has an ERA under two, but he's got a FIP of 3.31. So it looks like maybe a little bit of smoke and mirrors here. I wouldn't be too motivated to say the solution to my DeGrom problem is Dane Dunning. <laughs> There are some solutions potentially on the waiver wire this week. We're going to talk about them when we get to FAD. This is a big pitching uh, week in terms of picking up guys So uh, with a bunch of uh, young rookies uh, making their debuts in the last week. So uh, let's uh, let's move on to the next guy, another pitcher. Kenta Maeda finally goes to the IL, this time with a tricep strain. Uh I for me I'm I'm dropping him if I have him anywhere I don't have him anywhere uh, as people know from listening uh, this was a guy I was avoiding coming into the season coming off of Tommy John surgery so Jason where are you at on Kenta Maeda is he a drop for you because of this injury did we not tell you know to drop him in our group thread in our group thread yep so back to our group text you know it was last week he was like hey what should I do with Maeda all of us said drop and he was mm-hmm. like eh, I'm gonna be conservative bid and then not only did Maeda get hurt, but he got blown up before he got hurt in a big mm. way. Uh, so he was a drop. I said last weekend he was a drop. He's still a drop. Uh, and this was the move Bailey Ober came up yesterday, pitched well. I didn't see the final box score, but I was listening to that game on my drive down to Columbia yesterday, and it certainly sounded like he was pitching well uh, to that aspect. So that was already the move. Uh, hopefully, well, because he pitched yesterday, he should be available for uh, for Fab tonight. Uh, because he's in, he may have already been there because this is his second time up because he was on a, a yo-yo trip uh, a little bit. So, no, I was already out on him, had him nowhere, and uh, yeah, Ober's a better guy anyhow. What about you, Michael? Where are you out of my head and are you picking up Ober? Jason Collette is correct. Bailey Ober is the proper way to go right now. Unfortunately for someone who... I have to admit this on the air. I've admitted it before on the Palazzo podcast, and I'll tell anybody because the mistakes I make are as important as the triumphs because you, how learn, you learn from them. But you got to, yeah, you got to keep it real because all these analysts out here, they're telling you, hey, I did this, and here's my victory lap. Those are fun, but there's a lot of mistakes being made, and I always want to be transparent about that. Now, I kept Kenta Maeda in my home league, which is a, it's a 14-T 5x5 head-to-head, and <laughs> kept him. After the 2020 season, remember how great he was, the Bozo season, shortened season. I kept him over Corbin Burns, and that was really stupid. And I don't know how I ended up making that choice. And ever since then, I've been a little bit bitter towards Kenta Maeda, which is probably unnecessary, I admit. But Bailey Ober is clearly the guy that you would rather have in this situation. And I would say, don't even look back. Like, just say goodbye to Maeda. If you can get over and replace him in that way, with the teammate, that makes a lot more sense. I love Ober so much. That stat line was rock solid. He had six Ks. He pitched well yesterday. He didn't get the win, but kept the ratios low. Ober's got a nasty slider. I like that pitch a lot. So let's say goodbye to Kenta Maeda. I have him in, I think, two leagues, Justin. And I'm going to – I have IL spot in one of them, so I don't have to drop him. But the other one, I will be dropping him and saying, I, I don't want to deal with this this year. I got other things to do. Yeah. Uh, Kerry Carpenter is hitting the IL with a shoulder sprain. This is a little bit, uh, disappointing because 
Uh, he's shown some flashes of a yeah, player who could be really, really interesting, especially in your deeper leagues and fantasy. Um, Michael, you're a Tigers fan, so uh, how disappointed are you with this, and are you dropping him? I love Kerry Carpenter. I drafted him a lot, not just because, you know, I'm very, very much against my Tigers. I, I loathe the owner, Chris Illich. I think he's a scumbag. He's an entitled douche. So Tell I'm not a really fan feel. of him. Yeah, let me get clear on how I really feel, Jason. <laughs> Kerry Carpenter is somebody I thought would give a little bit more in terms of batting average because he could hit for average. He's getting a lot of credit for the pop he showed last year. But I, beyond the pop, I thought there was some more contact in there. We didn't quite see that so far, but we saw the power. And I mean, we, I assume if you have Kerry Carpenter, you're probably in at least a 15-team league most likely. I Not owned or rostered in 12-teamers, so... I am a pro Kerry Carpenter. I like his profile. I'm a fan of his work, but this is a guy that you could drop and move on from. He's not that important. I would assume unless you're in like a super deep league. Jason. Uh, I, I like him too. Uh, the problem is he plays with the Tigers. I mean, they have 3.3 runs a game. They are one of the lowest scoring. If not the lowest, I believe they're, I'm looking, they are in fact, the lowest scoring offense. I posted this last night, Jason. I posted this tweet this last night. The Rays have scored 186 runs. I did the see Tigers that. have I scored 85. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are the lowest scoring team in the league. They are uh, they are generating 3.3 runs a game, and they're allowing five a game. Uh, that's not a great recipe when you're giving up 1.7 runs more than you're scoring. And uh, no, I, I, I like the player. I just hate the, I hate the conditions. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. Uh, I think he's a, a drop. He'll be out there on the waiver wire if and when he does get healthy. Uh, and you can always go back and try to pick him up if, if he uh, comes back. But shoulder injuries rarely end up uh, really, really well. So I think he could miss an extended period of time. He's not the kind of guy, especially on that offense, that you want to be uh, holding for a long period of time. A last piece of news. Uh, Pete Fairbanks has a flare-up uh, due to Reynolds syndrome jason this is one of your guys so how worried are you on this yeah damn darius reynolds syndrome that's for your football guys or you west virginia football fans <laughs> uh in all in all seriousness with him i guess the good news is this isn't an injury this is a condition and if you're not if you're not familiar with the condition you may remember brandon woodruff uh having the problem and he was out a while it's basically a circulation thing where sometimes in colder weather you lose uh, feeling in your fingers uh, and listening to him pitch. I wasn't watching that game uh, because I was going to AHL hockey playoffs uh, and listening actually on the way home from the game. And we were listening to it. And even the radio announcers noticed, Hey, he's throwing a lot of sliders. Like he, uh, he hit somebody with his fastball. I forgot who he hit, uh, but there was a, a hit by batter. And then he was, wasn't commanding his fastball. And then it was slider, slider, slider. And then Kevin cash came out and said, nah, and, and, and Fairbanks didn't want to leave. But they pulled him out, and you know, he didn't pitch yesterday. The good news is uh, they're coming home this week, so they're back to 72 degrees and indoor controlled environment, which is how all baseball should be played. And haters suck it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, but that's it. He should be fine. Uh, right now, it's not great. Uh, I would say even taking off my rose-colored glasses, uh, Fairbanks has not been sharp this season. Now, understand what they're 23 and five, and he's had four save chances because the wins have just been so lopsided he has not been able to get in the games uh and so some of that could be rust uh, but he has not been the dominant the dominant guy i thought i was going to get good news is a he hasn't been hurt uh and b 
He still hasn't been scored upon. He's almost 30 straight innings uh, going back to last season uh, without uh, being scored upon. But he has not been the guy that I thought I was getting when I drafted him in 84 of my 10 leagues this year. So that's what I have to say about that. My uh, Well, Jason, before I move it over to Michael, if he does hit the IL uh, because of this, who do you think is next up for Tampa or is it just going to be spread around? So uh, to quote uh, one of my league friends, Ryan, on, on a tweet reply to me, I, uh, I I just have a couple things. I have a couple of questions. One, how dare you? Uh, why would you even say that? Why would you bring that on? Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, it would be it would be the standard operating procedure. Okay, that guy's out. Everybody else has got a chance for saves. Let's not forget when Fairbanks came out of that game, a rule five pick. Kevin Kelly got the save. He came out and got Luis Robert to pop up on the infield, and that was the game. So a rule five pick got a save chance. So it could be anybody else. Uh, don't don't look for any one particular guy. Not worth your time. Uh, Michael, where are you at on Fairbanks, and what are you doing with that type of bullpen if he does go on the IL? Yeah, I was just going to say, I have no idea who Kevin Kelly was until I looked up who got the save to close that out. So you knew more than I did. A rule five pick. That's fun. And he went to James Madison. Nice area. But for me, I didn't have any Fairbanks shares this year. I don't like the I Tampa have them closer situation. Yeah, it was somebody took them all. them all before I had a chance to. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention how motivated I was. No, I was just not interested. I let Jason draft Fairbanks everywhere. Because I don't want to mess with the race situation. Even if Fairbanks could partially be the guy at times, I, I'll go elsewhere. You know, I, I last night I talked about Alexis Diaz. I'm happy to go there. The Red Stink, but he's a guy that I feel really comfortable with, oddly enough. And maybe I'm one crazy. Bad maybe that'll go to hell this year. He said one know. bad outing, one, and everything else has been utterly dominant. Like he's like, oh, hey, sorry, big bro. I know you're hurt and I'm out for the year. Uh, you're out for the year. I'm just going to take that crown and wear it this year. He had one bad outing against Philly. And everything else has been absolutely yes. dominant. That's crazy because it's the Edwin didn't go well for him. Rizal Iglesias is a lot of top closers. Things didn't go well for, but to focus here on Fairbanks, I would just, I would hang tight for now, but I, cause I don't see this being a major issue. Like Jason said, although his K's per nine is down a great deal. I know it's a tiny sample size of seven innings, but that's noticeable. I don't know if that's just a fluke or what, but it's something to keep an eye on. You can't drop him right now, and he should probably be back sooner than later. I don't think it's that big a deal. But uh, Jason Adam would be the guy that I would immediately go to. And they also brought in Javi Guerra from the Brewers. That doesn't excite me whatsoever, but it is worth noting that they yeah. traded for him. He was there last year. I think he was one. I, I believe he was one of the guys who did get a save for the team last year. <laughs> but Javi Guerra was oh. with the team last year. So, uh, yeah, I saw is they it, make the, Isn't they that part of being a part of the Rays bullpen? Everybody hey, if you're part of the Rays bullpen, everybody gets a save. It's like Oprah, you know? They did add him. They're adding him to the 26 man roster. So, uh, he did not get a save. I'm, I apologize. He does. They have zero career <laughs> saves, but he does have, uh, he, like I said, he pitched for the team last year. For some reason, they wanted him back. Yeah, I th I think I I mean people know that uh you know I was not in on Fairbanks coming into the season. Uh, it was just a guy that I was a little bit too afraid of in terms of, you know, injury and potential usage uh, with that Tampa Bay bullpen. I think Jason Adam probably leads the team in saves if Fairbanks does end up going to the IL uh, while Fairbanks is out, but I agree with you guys that it's probably spread around and not super interesting. Um all right, uh, Jason, you have a monthly stat update for us. Uh, I do. So you guys, for those who follow me on Twitter, uh, you know I've been putting daily updates out on stats. And so the month is coming to a close. 
uh, and that daily update is really going to become more of a weekly update. But I am going to continue looking at steals on a daily basis because that to me is the biggest story because that's sticking uh, on the field. I mean, the uh, the pace of play and all that, that's one thing. But the steals is uh, noticeable. You know, we have our the stolen base attempts, and that is when the next base is open. And how often they're running, they're running 30% more frequently than they did last year and 47% more frequently than they did. And when I say last year, I mean last March, April. So 30% over last March, April, 47% over March, April of 2021. Uh, and so they're moving. They are The success rate has been at or above 80%. All month, save two days where it was 79%. Uh, so last year it was 75%, but this year it's been uh, right now on the aggregate, it's 80%. And they're running. And, you know, we can obviously thank the Dodgers and Padres for a lot of that because they can't throw anybody out. They are absolutely terrible at that. I have uh, I've been posting a stat the last couple of days on net steals, and that is the offense stolen base minus caught stealing minus the pitching staffs. Uh, caught stealing and stolen bases allowed the Dodgers have a negative 25 score they are the worst in baseball next is the uh the Padres at negative 13 best in the league uh, Arizona they have 19 they have a net 19 they are 25 of 30 on the base pass and they are 8 of 15 in preventing steals so they're doing well Dodgers are doing terrible hopefully this Corbin Carroll knee tweak from last night's not much because when the Dodgers play the Diamondbacks it could be, it could be a lot of fun. The Dodgers and Padres. So we talk about two immovable objects. Those two are hitting one another next week, um, or maybe later this week. And so it's going to be fun to see what happens in that series because neither of these guys are controlling any offense. So that's really happening in steals. And one of the other things I noticed looking at uh, some of the offense, and, and this may be part of the the pitch clock, pace of play, whatever. Uh, but like hit by batters, we are ten. Right now, we've had 363 batters hit this season. The record in recent years is 373, and that was in 2021. Coming out of the most, uh, 2021 wasn't coming out of the uh, strike. It was last year, but still, we're only 10 away from breaking that record, um, and that would happen in just a few more games. So that was one of the things I happen to notice. But home run wise, we're at 924 home runs. Even if you take away the 11. Yeah, I, did, I said that 11 home runs that were hit in Mexico City yesterday. Um, that still gives us one more home run than the 2018 season. We're not touching 2019. Uh, it is not going to be a repeat of 2019 unless it gets really hot this summer and stuff starts taking off. Now, I will say, you know, Justin, you live in a continually cool climate for the most part. Uh, Michael, you're in Michigan on the border you know, between two countries. It's always going to be cool. Um, it has been unseasonably cool and damp here in Charlotte. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of rainouts lately because this stupid system is sitting all over the East Coast uh, and whatnot. So maybe as it heats up, something can happen. But it's we are definitely up over last year. Now, to understand the, the context, last year we had 574 home runs hit. We've had 924 hit already. So, uh, And the home run per contact is from, went from 3.7 to 4.5%. Uh, and so ball is flying a lot more than last year. It's just not 2019 level. It is 2021 level. It is 2018 level. The 2019 appears like it's going to be an anomaly unless we have some uh, environmental factors come into play there. Uh, but stolen bases are absolutely here to stay. I would say one of the things league, but league batting average isn't where we thought it would be because like right now, league wide batting average is 246. And a big part of that, and I don't know how to explain this last week, the bad on ground balls was 219. 
Now the previous now here's here's the order of the bad bet on ground uh, bad bet on ground balls. Opening weekend two thirty two. Then it went to two thirty four. Then it went. I'm sorry. Then it went to two forty four. Then it went to two fifty, and all of a sudden it went to two nineteen. How do you go thirty one points like that? And then this week it is back up to two fifty six. So it's like I I don't understand it. But we've had the league wide batting average as high as two fifty. But right now it's been like 245, 246. And uh, so I don't know if it is leagues adjusting to it because I've seen some more aggressive shifting where they're pretty much right as far as they can go uh, on some of these things. But positioning, it seems like they've made an adjustment. But this this variability over the last couple of weeks, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, but it's, it's been really weird. So that's that's my statistical update for the month. It has been a fun month. I do like the brand of baseball we're seeing. I would say as much uh, preaching as they're like, oh, more action, more stuff in play. Uh, the three true come out rate, uh, the three three true outcomes, so walks, strikeouts, and hits are balls in play. It's 34.9% right now this season. This time last year, it was 343 So that's not happening. It's still the it's still a walk, start, <laughs> I'm sorry, three true outcome, walk, strikeout, or home run. Rather, uh, so it is. It's it's a little higher than last year, and then two years ago it was thirty six point four percent. So we're not there, but it it's not having the year over year adjustment uh, like we're hearing on the repeated commercials. If you listen to a lot of games, I've been in the car lately, so I've been listening to a lot of games, and it's like, oh, there's more action, more balls. And not, no, not really, <laughs> not as much as you say it is. <laughs> there is more steals. That's here to stay. I don't see that going anywhere. But everything else is kind of leveling off. Wow, that's amazing. Can I add one thing? I've, I've been doing a, a stolen base focus myself, doing bonus episodes for Palazzo. Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in what you were saying there, Jason. And the Dodgers, who didn't know that, that they're terrible, that's good to know. But they actually started stealing more recently, all of a sudden. Like, they were way down at the bottom for steals. Mm -hmm. And then over the last week, they kind of took off, and they stole six bases. I think they were stuck at the bottom with the Twins and the Rockies, because I had just done an episode earlier yes. in the week about that. And then uh, Bretton Doyle comes up, and I, I said this out loud on my podcast earlier the week when he came up. I'm like, the Rockies don't run, so why would you expect Doyle to be the guy who gets to run more? But then, lo and behold, he's got like three steals here, and suddenly he's like, <laughs> he's the Rockies' source of stolen bases. It's wild how this fluctuation changes, whose philosophy are, is going to be ironclad, airtight, that they're going to stick to. Like Rocco Baldelli, we know he's not going to steal. The Twins are not going to steal bags. But other than that, it seems like week to week there could be teams that kind of shoot up and down. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and as when when O'Doyle had his when uh, Doyle had his good game, I tweeted out the Doyle rules because I had to drop a Billy Madison <laughs> reference uh, with nice. that. But yeah, it's like the Dodgers were they were I think they were nine of fourteen, and then they're five of their last five, so they're fourteen of eighteen. The problem is they are six of forty one in preventing. Six of 41. And so when I tweeted that a couple days ago, people are like, oh, hey, the Noah Syndergaard effect. Yes, Syndergaard has allowed eight steals and eight tries. He hasn't thrown anybody, or nine for nine, rather. He's not alone. Christian Javier is 0 for 8. If you get on base against Christian Javier, take off. You got it. it the base is yours. Uh, and there's a few guys. Nate Evaldi is like that. So there's a few guys like that. But, you know, you mentioned the Twins, Michael. It's, it's not... It's everybody. Take away Michael A. Taylor from that roster, and we have as many steals as the Twins do. Nelson <laughs> Cruz has more steals than the entire roster not named Michael A. Taylor in Minnesota. It is uncanny how that team is just simply not running. 
unless it's <laughs> unless it's Taylor. Now, again, I, I somebody asked why. Well, Buxton is not running. Hell, he's not even close to shagging fly balls in center field. He's DHing. Uh, Nick Gordon can't steal first, so he can't steal second or third. Uh, and Polanco is just coming back from injury. And who else on that team is going to run? That's that may be like who you know somebody may get one. But again, if Nelson Cruz can steal a base, I'm really holding out hope that Daniel Vogelback gets that stolen base. I, I hope he has another series <laughs> against the Dodgers or the Padres, something where he could take advantage because those two those two teams really stick out as teams that aren't doing it. Now, I know that early on the Red Sox were the the team we all picked on, but Connor Wong has made a difference. Uh, it's not like Reese McGuire is a bad is bad behind the plate, but Connor Wong has has stopped the bleeding that was going on in Boston. If you recall, opening week Baltimore was just like windmilling, it's go go go, uh, and Connor Wong is definitely helping. That's why Connor Wong's in the lineup more these days. Uh, but the Dodgers, it's it's not happening, and Will Smith coming back is not going to fix that. You look at the new. Uh, throwing caught stealing above average board that baseball savant put out this week and will smith's a negative four since the start of last season so this is an issue with the dodgers and they're gonna have to fix it on the pitching side uh and that's one of the things uh one of my f- friends rob was watching an interview the other day and dave roberts kind of admitted this the other coach basically kind of said we we figured out the dodgers and dave roberts was like yeah we've got to work on this so it's kind of like they've seen something because right now their best their best caught stealing prevention is Clayton Kershaw on the mound because he doesn't allow the base runners. And he's got a really good move. Clayton Kershaw pitches once every five days and everybody else is getting run on. All right. Uh, that was a really good stat update, Jason. And I enjoyed that. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on and start talking about some fab. Cause like I said, there are some kind of big pickups this week. Uh, some of these guys are not going to be available in your league because uh, you know, especially as we talk about Logan Allen, uh, he might have already been picked up last week in a lot of leagues, um, and or drafted, or drafted. Me raising or, your, me raising my hand. Uh, a guy, uh, a guy like Brandon Fat may not be available if uh, he's been stashed all year. But uh, hopefully, this hits the majority of leagues. Let's start off with Tanner Bibby, uh, who came in and had a really nice first start. Struggled with uh, the fastball command early on, but then uh, you know rocked through the rest of his start. He's a top-tier prospect for the Guardians, who have some openings in that rotation at the moment. Govier, what are you doing on Tanner Bibby? Are you going to get aggressive this week? Uh, So we were talking about this, you and I, uh, before we went on air here. And I'm not the guy who goes big on starting pitching in terms of spending $300 out of a $1,000 fab budget. That is just not my style. I feel like... It doesn't make sense depending on the situation. But then again, there is context. So I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here. I'm going to sound like a fool because if I need K's, I mean, Tanner Bibby seems like a solid choice for K's, for ratios. Uh, Really, uh, the only question might be is can he get enough quality starts because he should be able to get wins and everything else. He looks like it's everything you wanted and more. Tanner Bibby is the solution to all of our problems. But I... I have a lot of money left still. I, I didn't get too radical for the most part in most of my fab leagues, and I've got 18 fab leagues this year. It's so stupid. So that was <laughs> – yeah, I know. This is – I've been in this game for almost four years now. This is a rookie mistake. I don't know what I was thinking. But I got to deal with it. I got to live with it. And to me, there's so many pitchers involved here. There's a guy in AAA who just got bumped up to AAA named Gavin Williams for Cleveland who's BCU really, Brad. really good. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yep. he's even, he might be, 
He might flat out be better than Bieber. He might be better than all of these guys on Cleveland mm-hmm. outside of Bieber. But I just think you got to think about the context here. How long will BB be around here? Because that's really my concern. I don't know if he's going to be here for the season haul. And if I'm going to spend $400, that is something I really feel I have to have a lot of confidence in. So I'm probably going to lose most of the BB bids because I'm just not going to go that big. Jason, where are you out on Taylor Bibby? Uh, I'm the same way. Uh, with I'm I'm concerned that it could end up being another Taj Bradley situation where oh hey he comes up oh he he does well oh hey he gets demoted. So I I know a lot of people got burned with Bradley and uh, I'm pretty sure we warned about that possibility <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> we said hey um, I don't you know we don't know what could happen. He could possibly get demoted as things work out and. Uh, and, and to be clear, I'm not even clear that Bradley comes back right away because uh, good news is uh, Tyler Glass now is going out in a rehab assignment this week. So we are close. Uh, we're close within 20 days of him coming back. And if he comes back, that takes up the uh, the opener spot. Uh, that was yesterday's game with uh, with Fauche and uh, Fauche and, and Chirinos. So that takes up that spot of the rotation. So I don't know. When Bradley comes back, uh, it may not be within the 20 days because if he comes back within 20 days, it's, it's he doesn't lose any service time type of thing, but it's not clear. They want him down to work on a five-day ro- uh, rotation because to, he was not sharp in his last inning against Houston. I watched it. Command was terrible. Then he settled down and got the last nine. The last nine guys he faced, he looked great, but it took him a while to get to that point. Uh, and that's where it felt to me. It's like, okay, now I see why they want him to work every five days to get in that rotation because the extra – Getting out of his, we've said we say it all the time in this podcast. Pitchers are a creature of habit, uh, and when you get out of that habit, it takes time to adjust. And when you're a kid, uh, as he is, uh, it takes even a little more time to adjust. And that's what I think. That's what we saw happen uh, in front of him. So uh, no, I'm not going to be aggressive on baby. I will be competitive. But that said, I was uh, in one of my other leagues. I was competitive with Mason Miller and ended up winning him. But in some of my other leagues, with the exact same bid, I got blown out of the water. Every league is different. It's, it's kind of crazy. I didn't think I was going to win him, and I ended up getting him. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I it was just a, uh, a, a kind of like you know checking in poker. Not that I'm a great poker player, but it's like I'll stay around, you know, check. Uh, and it, I ended up with Mason Miller. Yeah, this is hard for me because my advice has been all season, all you know, since we since we started this season, don't be overly aggressive in Fab early. Um, it just leaves you in such a hole, especially now. Obviously, if you're in a league where you have zero dollar bids, so, so I want to like separate the two. In a league of zero dollar bids, you can be as aggressive as you want because at the end of the day, if you run out of fab, you're still going to be able to pick guys up. Uh, in leagues where you don't have zero dollar bids, leaving yourself with very little money down the stretch is going to hurt, um, yeah. especially when you're you know you're you know doing this kind of these kind of things early. I you know in my main event right now. There's a guy with less than two hundred dollars, uh, and a couple and a, a few guys who are you know less than four hundred dollars already. In I've heard some guys in, in in double digits already, yeah. I mean, wow. guys that have blown over nine hundred dollars, and that just you just aren't you're not going to be competitive unless you get really, really lucky down the stretch, uh, you know, with injuries and just performance in general. So, uh, I, I just think it is a bad practice. Now, why I said I'm in kind of a little bit of a pickle is I know in like my main event, um, which is doing fairly well, uh, especially offensively, and 
in my NFBC auction, which again is doing very well in both pitching and hitting. I know the weakness is pitching, and now I'm staring at you know these uh, waiver wires uh, where you've got Bibby and Allen, uh, you know, who are potentially you know game changing pitchers rest of the way if they're up. But the big caveat is how long are these guys up for? Um, because do you want to blow three hundred dollars in them? and then find out next week or in two weeks that they're going to be sent down because Aaron Savali comes back or uh, they just decide they want to play service time games or, or whatever, um, you know, or, you know, worst case scenario, they get hurt. Pitchers get hurt very often. So I have a really hard time going over $200 or 20% uh, of your fab. Uh, if you're in a hundred dollar fab league, uh, $20 on a pitcher, especially a young pitcher, but I can definitely understand it, and I am thoroughly debating. Uh, you know, while we've been recording, I've been looking at my <laughs> fad page, going, "Man, how much do I put on it?" Because especially my main event league, I need pitching. I need pitching bad. I've had Jose Suarez and Michael Kopech, and oh. these guys need to come off my roster. Um, and am I willing to spend the two hundred plus dollars? I think they're probably going to go for. I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, it's probably going to be a game time decision, but I want to be fully transparent, though. Even though I said, or I've said all season long, that I am reluctant to spend this kind of money, especially early. Uh, I am definitely considering it because of the situation my pitching staffs are in. Uh, I'm sure your story applies to a lot of people. About, mm-hmm. yeah, the situation my pitching staff is in, whether whether it's injuries or whether it's uh, it's underperformance uh, from some other guys, because how many different pitchers are uh, struggling this season? How many? I think I mentioned this last week, or I know I've mentioned it on Twitter. How many big blowups are we seeing in the first inning? Another five spot from somebody yesterday in the first inning, and it wasn't it wasn't the Mexico City game. There's another five spot, and that's where it gets. That was a it. nightmare. Oh my god, that was a the home run that Juan Soto hit. I'm like, that's a line drive that should be caught by the center field or not even moving, and the ball just never came down. The second one that Machado hit was just oh, like, I didn't see. Oh, I just happened. I was, I was looking at a video. I'm like, what did I just see? It's like, like it, it was hit, like, it's gone. It wasn't even like a full on like power swing. Like, like in, I was like, oh, that's going to get, oh, whoa, that went 20 feet over the fence. Like, well, remember, I don't, I don't, 7,200 feet altitude up there with <laughs> yeah, normal it's, dimensions. <laughs> it, it's like yes. playing on the moon right now. Like, it's just, <laughs> I will say this. I don't want to start an argument here, but been a lot of guys uh, that have been useful pitching products this Absolutely. month. Too. Like Eduardo Rodriguez, if you got him. Uh, Mackenzie got him Gore. Lottery, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. There absolutely have been some surprises, but I, it's like, you know, Justin mentioned one of the names, Michael Kopech. He looks so good in spring. I remember being super disappointed when Joe Sheehan and I got into a bidding war and Sheehan ended up winning them and in labor. I was like, man, that was one of the guys I was targeting and that didn't work out. But when it, the, the stat I wanted to mention was when I was looking at first inning, why the blowups and how it was so weird. Uh, the the ERA in first innings this year by starting pitching is 499. The good news is that's as low as it's been. It was over five. It was 524 when I looked at this last week. So it's wow. we've had a lot of early inning blowups, and it is the highest ERA by any inning by of any of any uh, of, of any of the innings. Four seven three in the third inning. Four seven six in the fourth. But it's like it's it's been a lot of early blowups in some of these guys. And when they do that, like the Maeda one we referenced earlier, 
Rocco Baldelli just left him out there. And he, I mean, because he had, I want to say he gave up a five or six spot in the first inning, and they let him throw two more innings, and he ended up getting up the nine or ten earned runs. And they're like, all right, finally, go ahead, come out. And it's ratios are what used to be a good ratio. Not even, I mean, you, uh, it's the, the bar has definitely moved this year on pitching, and we're still trying to adjust as a league. Uh, the league's still trying to adjust, and fantasy managers are still trying to adjust. Well, and I want, you know, I want to like point out, like, there are a number of guys that, like, Mackenzie Gore is a really, really good example. Like, his ERA is three, right? Like, he has been fantastic from an ERA standpoint. He's got a 130 whip. Like, you know, like, there are, and there are a lot of guys who you drafted really, really highly that are pitching really, really poorly. And so, like, there are definitely teams out there who are like, what, what are you talking about? Pitching's bad. Pitching's great. I got Graham Ashcraft and, you know, all these guys that have been great. Well, before but, I forget, trade Yusei Kikuchi, by the way. This is my advice to yeah. everybody. Get rid of Yusei Kikuchi <laughs> now. Well, and if I'm we... wrong, come back and be like, Colette, what the hell are you talking about? But I broke this down on Beat the Shift podcast. I wrote about it at Rotowire this past week. Trade Yusei Kikuchi before you're left holding the bag. That's beautiful. And I will say that we all should have just drafted Spencer Strider. Clearly, that's what we all should have <laughs> yeah, done. That's, that's, that's the answer. So, uh, speaking of Cleveland pitchers who have uh, come up and pitched well in their first go around, we've got Logan Allen, who has looked uh, pretty good. He is going to have a start uh, at New York, which makes him a little bit less enticing for next week. But just in general, where are you at on picking up Logan Allen there, Jason? Love it. Uh, this is what I mentioned earlier. I drafted him uh, in my ale keeper league. He was in the reserve rounds. Uh, you, you, there are not there are not enough superlatives to describe how Cleveland prepares their starting pitching. They do such a great job of you know. Michael mentioned uh, Gavin Williams and how they've turned. He was not that he was a, a bum at ECU. He was great there, but they've taken him and gotten another level out of him. They they continue to find something with these pitchers, get them ready, and get them into a program and accentuate what they do better now. Not every single guy hits the magic formula, but there's enough of a track record in Cleveland where they call somebody up and they're, they are, they're ready. Uh, and Allen has certainly showed that he belongs at this level. And I'm excited. I, if I had to choose between these two guys, I'm more aggressive with Allen than I am Bibby or Bybee. I need to be uh, better on names. Michael, where are you at on Logan Allen? Yeah, that's solid advice. You could probably get Allen for, I'm sure you'll get Allen for less if he's available in your league. And I don't know how much of a disparity there would be between the two. You're right, Jason. And I have to say, we got to be aware of all these other pitchers. Again, Aaron Savale, Tristan McKenzie throwing a bullpen this weekend, I believe. They're they're going to be on the men. They're going to be back. Yeah. McKenzie and Savale are locks to come back to the rotation because they've earned that right, whether you agree with is, that or not. Is Savale a lock? I don't know about Savale. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I McKenzie back on Savale. I, I think he gets Savali. a shot. I think he gets a shot to come back. So I'm not saying it'll be a, he could lose that opportunity, but I believe that Francona will give him a shot. But then again, if you got all these guys kicking so much butt and you're like, you know what, Savali, we just need you here now. Be a veteran. Do us a solid. But at the same time, they could go the other way because they don't want to. Tanner Beebe debuted last year, and he's moved up the ranks super, super quick. He did pitch 130 or so innings combined last year, so he's not somebody who didn't pitch much last season. Just got to think about that. With Logan Allen, I love his stuff. But again, those two guys I mentioned. Hunter Gaddis is in the mix. I know he wasn't very good. He got sent back down. Peyton Battenfield, he's in the mix. There's a bunch of guys, I'm just saying, 
You think of all these pitchers they've got, how long will even Logan Allen last? I don't know that we could trust that Allen will last that much longer than BB, though Allen has a bit more experience, so maybe he could be around longer. I think it's a real mess. I'm gonna, I bid on uh, Logan Allen last week in one of my leagues and picked him up, and I'm glad I got him. So I'm happy there. But I'm not going to go too nuts with Allen, but I'll be a little more aggressive. But that still means spending at least probably 50% less than I would on BB. Hey, can I add uh, a bit of breaking injury news? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the guy that almost had a no-hitter earlier this week, Easton McGee, to the IL, right? Forearm strain. And I uh, take him off my... <laughs> Taylor <laughs> Trammell just got activated, and, and McGee went to the yeah. IL with a right forearm strain. So it's... Hey, more Another Taylor bites Trammell. The dust. <laughs> but Trammell's back uh, in the outfield rotation. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not been a fun year for injuries. Uh, I like Logan Allen a lot. He was, he's been really impressive so far uh, through his first couple of starts. I, I kind of think he might, and I think you guys are alluding to this. He might be the second man sent down out of the two because he was the first man up. I mean, uh, he's got a little bit more, you know, professional pitching experience as well. So uh, I think, I think, Bibby has a little bit of a higher upside uh, than Allen, but I think the floor is a little bit safer. So it kind of depends on what you're shooting for right there. If you're in a shallower league, maybe you lean Bibby, and in a deeper league, you lean Allen because there's a chance he's around for longer. Uh, but I do think there is the risk, right? This is, you know, rookie pitcher could easily get sent back down. We know that Cleveland tends to be an organization that really values kind of their um, – their, uh, they're veteran starting pitchers. Look how long it took Tristan McKenzie to get up and stick. So um, I, I do think that there are some risks here, but I also know that I'm probably going to try to get somewhat aggressive, at least on them in fab this week because of the state personally of my own pitching. So if you're in my situation, I understand you doing that as well. Brandon Fat isn't up yet, but we expect him to be up here at some point in the very near future. Uh, the Arizona Dimebags, uh, DFA, uh, you know, future Hall of Famer, uh, Madison Bumgarner, probably not future Hall of Famer, Madison Bumgarner. But um, at what point do you think that Fat is up there, Michael? And are you stashing him in leagues where he's available? Oh, yeah. Well, wherever I could stash him to where it made sense. If I had bonus spots, non-NFBC that's definitely something I've been doing. And I'm really excited to see him make his debut. It's the rumors are flying now that what, like by May 9th, he could be up, right? That's kind of the word around the campfire. Why, why, why are they waiting a week? What's, what am I missing? Well, like worst case scenario. Yeah. I don't know. You're right. I don't have the answer to that. I just heard by May 9th, but it could happen sooner. It should happen sooner. Right. One would um, hope it should have happened like last week. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, yeah. It should have happened to start the season, to be quiet. Yeah, honest. absolutely. Hey, I'm with you. I mean, Dre Jameson could pitch out of the pen, and I think he's really good out of the pen. He's really nice there. And I am all about – I looked this up, too. Supposedly it is Brandon fought. Like, fought. Hey, we fought. Me and Brandon fought. Okay. I have fought like hell to get Brandon fought on my squad all season long. I'm so totally excited about him. I have no doubts about his talent. I guess the only question will be is how much we'll get out of him this year. But if he's coming up later, I'm expecting we can get 100 innings out of him this year. That'd be really, really nice. I'm all in. I'm ready to rock. Well, the Dimebacks do have two days off this week, so it may just be a matter of they don't need that fifth starter until May 9th. So that's probably 
if if May 9th is the goal, that's probably where it's at or why it's at that point. Because they do they will run with a pretty uh they have a pretty big schedule. They have games every day from May 5th to May 17th. So maybe May 9th is that kind of spot where they go finally, well, we need a fifth starter here for the next few weeks and we'll bring up Fott. So uh Jason, where are you at on Fott? Are you stashing him if he's available? Uh, I have him and TGFBI, uh, and he is on my bench. He has been on my bench, and I have refused to cut him. So that tells you where I where, where I'm at with him. And this is the league where I this is the league where I had Brandon Woodruff, uh, and I don't have him back yet. And I currently have Wade Miley, Braxton Garrett, and Sean Manaya on the bench. Thank God I benched him. Um, I, I kind of forgot that that game was in uh, Mexico City, uh, but thank oh, no. God I had already benched him. Uh, so that was. But I had to I had to eat the uh, the Matthew Boyd start yesterday and. Um, I did get the nice game from Alex Cobb this week, and so yeah, I. Uh, but I had I got Dean Kramer as well this week too. That wasn't great, but I have fought sitting there, and I have I have refused to cut him the last couple of weeks, and he is staying there until he gets called up. Jason, let me ask you something real quick about Cobb because I have him in my main event, and I was torn whether to start him this week for his two step. It ended up being an amazing shutout on Monday, but now he's in Mexico city today and I'm terrified. <laughs> what did oh, you I'm think? I'm absolutely of terrified too. I mean, if any pitcher should be able to survive it, it's him the way he keeps the ball down. That said like anything that's up in the air, as we saw 11 home runs, uh, it, and that's where, like I said, the, the me benching Manaya was accidental. I did not realize that that Mexico city game was this weekend. Uh, had I known that with Cobb, I would have been like, okay, here, Garrett, my, I would have done anybody else. Uh, but like when I look at this week, it's like Miley's an easy cut. He's at Colorado Bye, And it's like, I had him, I had him for a two start week. He's gone. Uh, Garrett one start this week against Atlanta. He's probably gone too. And my, and Mania's got Milwaukee. I may like recycle my entire TGFBI pitching set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be pretty ugly. <laughs> he's going to be, um, a, he's going to break even on a shutout, a complete game shutout for the week. That's just going to be. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it, hey, he had a 450 feels, ERA for the week. What do you want? Right. <laughs> Shut out <laughs> the 750 on the other, or a nine on the other end. So, so crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, I mean, at least you got the, the, the complete game shutout because that should outweigh whatever happens today. Cause at least it'll be like, you know, if, if it's bad, it's going to be like Musgrove where, He's only going to be in there for like three and a third or something like that. Yes. So Pull the plug. You can, you can mitigate that damage a little bit. As far as Fott goes, I, I mean, I think he is, uh, he is a, if, if he's available in your league, you need to be grabbing him, whatever the cost. I think he's a really, really good pitcher uh, from the get go. It's a good place to pitch. It's a good team that's uh, up and coming right now. So uh, yeah, go, go grab Fott. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to some relievers. Will Smith got another save. I wonder if there's a changing of the guard in Texas uh, at that closer position. Uh, LeClerc can be uh, wild at times and unpredictable. Bruce Bochy has history with Will Smith as his closer in San Francisco. Govier, where are you at on Will Smith? Are you grabbing him off the wire? I think you just nailed it. The history there. Bruce Bochy feels comfortable with Will Smith. It's so funny that Will Smith is going to be the guy now, but he was left off a playoff roster last year, right? I mean, didn't that happen? It's weird. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how that happens, but he's pitching well, and Bochi has the trust. And sometimes, as a closer, you know, the confidence your manager has in you is a, a big boost. I know he's a veteran. He's not a rookie, but still, that matters. So, for a mentality, Will Smith, I think, has a better mentality. And we've seen Will Smith give us full production seasons with legit 30-plus safe seasons. Jose the Clerk? <laughs> 
I've I'm that guy. I was for so long. I was the Jose Leclerc guy. Like, all right, he's going to do it this year. He's going to have a great save season. He's going to rack up 30-plus saves. It's all going to come together, and it never does. It never has. The best he ever did was 14 saves in 2019. So, to me, Will Smith is the better option, and it might not even be that close. Jason, where are you at on Will Smith? Yeah, in the time that we just talked about that, Jose Leclerc just walked all three of us. Uh, and that's really where it comes down <laughs> to. He, he can't throw a strike. Will Smith is – they have four saves as a team, and Will Smith has three of them. Will Smith, you look at the numbers, and it's pretty easy to see, yep, that's the guy I'm going to go with. Everything else that Michael said, the, the history, everything, there's – Again, just stare on paper, remove the names. Which one of those guys? I want the guy number three. Well, number three is Will Smith. And nothing else nothing else to say about that. I know a few guys, when the signing happened, we're like, eh, maybe, who knows? But it's worked out. He's doing well. Now, the issue, uh, you know, what's going to happen? The, the, the thing I'm having a tough time balancing, and yeah, it's only nine innings, a 19% ground ball rate. 19 with a 91% left on base percentage. So as long as he can keep the ball in the ballpark, uh, he should have saves, but that's where the risk. And I don't know what else is going to happen, but nobody else is really standing out. Ian Kennedy has has had some issues. He blew one the other day. Brock Burke has been okay. Just hasn't been striking out anybody. Cole Reagan's has uh, had issues wa- with walks as well. Um, stuff looks good, but has had problems uh, keeping guys off base. So for the time being, ride Will Smith and see what else happens. Even when Will Smith had his 37 saves two years ago, I just, you just got me motivated to look at this. I mean, he, he was giving up less dongs, and the ground ball rate was better. It was at 31% during his 37 saves in 2021. So that is interesting, but, you know, it's only the first month of the season. Maybe things could straighten out for him. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this one feels weird to me because uh, I picked up Will Smith after he got his first save in week one. Uh, and then, and I dropped the role as Chapman. Well, Chapman's looked so good that I've been lamenting the fact that I've made that decision, but it looks like it's going to turn out to be the right decision. And I've luckily held on to, uh, Will for Smith. now until, yeah. until maybe what were we talking about the other day, where, where, was it last week on this show? We talked about where they need to trade Will on to it. Uh, oh yeah. Chapman to, uh, the angels. Either the Angels or the Dodgers, and uh, that may it it may still end up being the wrong decision uh, down the stretch. But right now, it feels like it's okay with Chapman only having one save, Barlow getting the save yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I think Will Smith uh, could be the guy. I also think that this could be a very fluid situation that changes hands three or four more times throughout the season, Um, and uh, so. If you're looking for short-term saves, I think Will Smith is probably the best answer on the wire this week. Uh, And maybe it turns into a long-term situation, but maybe it turns into the Rangers aren't competing this year. And they trade him to be a left-handed reliever on a team with an already established closer. So uh, that uh, becomes uh, a problem, but that's a problem for down the road. If you're looking for saves right now, I think Will Smith is a pretty good answer. Nick Anderson could be in line for some short-term saves if you really need short-term saves because uh, A.J. Minter has struggled as of late. Uh, Rossi Iglesias is on his way back, and so this is probably like a week, you know, worth of saves at max. Jason, any interest in picking up Nick Anderson? Yeah, Nick, did we end up, Rob and I in our league, did we end up, I think we ended up did, uh, getting him last week. He's looked better. Uh, obviously, when... You know, last we saw him, he was dragging his arm off the mound in the World Series in 2020 uh, when when Kevin Cash brought him in for the 10th time in that series, in that six-game series. So that was that was problematic. But the eye test 
says he's looked better, but the overall numbers said he had. I mean, the, the overall numbers don't paint the same picture. It's like the velocity, he's still not throwing upper 90s. I don't think that's ever coming back. But the other stuff, like he is really leaning on his curveball more than he ever has. I'm looking at a stat cast page right now, and the, you know, he's, he's become more of a breaking ball pitcher. So for a short-term solution, yeah, strikeout rate, walk rate, whiff rate, all in the top 90th percentile, but then everything else. And this is what happens with relievers because it's such a small sample size where like you get like two hard-hit balls out of 10, and all of a sudden your average exit velocity is a single digit. Uh, and this, you know, this went back to like, I remember the year that Jake McGee had a bunch of saves for the Dodgers and everybody's like, oh, but, but that exit velocity. Well, he didn't have a lot of batted balls in play and the ones he did. Yeah, sure. They got hit, but he missed a whole bunch of bats. So this happens uh, with some of those things. So, yeah, short term solution. If you're looking to plug a gap, like especially if you're the Rysel Iglesias owner and you're waiting for that, uh, waiting for him to come back, then, yeah, because uh, Minter had, absolutely has not looked good. I was at the game Friday night, uh, a week ago Friday, with with one of our listeners, Jeff, and his son, uh, and watched that game and watched him give up that home run to uh, Jordan Alvarez. But Minter, the the entrance music, all that's great, but the results have not been. I think he's allowed 10 in runs here in his, over the last week and a half and has not looked good. Michael, are you picking up uh, Anderson for short-term save relief? Hell no, I'm not going to waste my time. Rizzo, yo, look what happened here. <laughs> Basically, the whole series got wiped out between the Mets and the Braves. They've been off for days now. Maybe that'll actually be good for Minter. Maybe he'll be, uh, okay, I feel better now. I needed a break. Things got out of control here. I totally blew it against the Marlins on Thursday. Not saying that's a guarantee, but look. I'm not picking up Anderson when Rizel's basically ready to go. He he could be ready to go any minute now. He's he's looking sharp in his rehab. He's doing his thing. So I would rather stick it out with Minter for one more week, see if this break helps. I benched him in my main event this week. I did not play him, but I didn't cut him. So that's basically tells you everything you need to know about what I was thinking related to Minter. No Anderson for me. Yeah, I just think it's such a short-term situation that I probably like don't want to – like outside of maybe like – you know, those fastest finger waiver wire leagues where you're just picking up a guy and, you know, and then you can just drop him right away. But yeah, Iglesias might be back here very, very quickly. And so I just don't know that Anderson is going to offer enough to like waste any fab on him. It, dollar bid in, in a thousand dollar fab league, fine, or even a hundred dollar fab league, whatever, you know. But ultimately, I'm probably looking elsewhere. There are waiver wires where Michael Fulmer have been, has been dropped or, uh, even like Pierce Johnson, guys like that. I think I'd rather, you know, take a gamble that those guys like get into the role or get back into the role. Uh, all right. Um, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Yenier Cano has been fantastic in this year. He is, I believe, has not uh, walked a batter or allowed a hit yet. He is clearly next man up if something happens to Felix Bautista. Any interest? in stashing Cano there, uh, Michael? Uh, I'm not going to stash him, no. It would depend on the league. I mean, in a holds league, he's already rostered for sure because he's been outstanding. And then if you're in a saves league only, Bautista is absolutely the guy. And barring injury, that's what it would take. So to me, I got to let Cano stay on the bench. Unless I play in a type of league where it's head-to-head, you know, where I can fix up my ratios a bit by using a few relievers, I would use him in those situations for sure. Head-to-head cats. I'm pro adding Cano to the roster and maybe sneaking in a win and getting me some ratio love. But other than that, he's great. He's a lot of fun. That's about it for me here. Uh, Jason, you play in some A only leagues. Is Cano a guy that might be more interesting to you? 
Bought them for $9 last night. Uh, so my local ALA 11 team, we run fab on Saturday nights and I won the bid at $9 and I was aggressive with him because A is the keeper league. So if something were to happen with Batista, then hey, next guy up, this, this could be it. And we, I did see him pitch a couple of times. I saw our buddy Alex fast, uh, happily tweeting about some of his stuff. And like I said, he hasn't allowed a hit <laughs> that said last year, he allowed plenty of them. You look at the numbers last year and the league hit 400 off the sinker and when I'm looking, I'm trying to look for like, hey, what's changed? Right now, nothing. He's still sinker slider changeup. But if you've listened <laughs> to, if you've listened to uh, our our former co-host emeritus Eno Saris over on his podcast, he talks about how sinker slider changeup is like the new thing for relievers. You can get, it, you can do this. This is the you got one thing going one way, one thing going another, and one thing going down. It's like you can, if you can tunnel them up and everything, it works out really well. And so. That appears what he's doing because he's—I mean—he's throwing a lot of sinkers right now and and pretty much nothing else. Uh, when, I, when I'm looking at his graph, but there's nothing new here. Like, oh, hey, here's a new splitter. Here's a new nothing. It's just—it's—it's it's out there and he's—he's he's doing this. So the results are fine now. But I bought him in a in a deep AL league as insurance, and he's still pitching high leverage. He's earned that, and he's in there getting that stuff done. So I—I'm willing to take this dart. Previously, since we're all talking about mistakes we've made, like Justin, you talked about dropping Chapman. Michael, you dropped, you talked about the the Burns move. Like previously, these are the types of guys I'm like, eh, nah, I'll let somebody else take a chance. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I remember this time last year, we're like, hey, Bautista was looking good. Uh, you know, or whenever before Bautista mm -hmm. took the role, it's like, ah, I'd let somebody else take a chance and now uh, look what he's doing. Uh, so it's like when you have the chance, you see a guy, he passes the eye test, take a chance. So I did. Yeah, I mean, right now, Bautista is still, like, a top five to ten closer. So, like, he's not being supplanted, like, at, at any point. Uh, but if he were to go down, if something were to happen, then I think uh, Cano is uh, easily next man up. But there's very few types of leagues where you're rostering something like that. Uh, so if you're in a league where you roster these kind of high-leverage relievers, or maybe, like, you're in head-to-head -head categories and you're like, well, screw my starting pitchers getting blown up. I'm just going to, like, put in these high-leverage uh, middle relievers he makes sense in leagues like that uh but i, I just don't um, unless something happens with Batista, i just don't think he's gonna get uh ben clements has got a really good article uh, on the site as well uh, oh, nice. that's a great title you know it's yanir cano is no joke I, I love the puns uh but he's got a couple of nice animations in here talks about it uh and yeah, uh, his closing sentence is really good where he talks about, but if you're wondering why hitting is so hard, Cano is a great example. He was unplayably bad last year. He started throwing the ball in the strike zone more often, and voila, hitter shut down really uh, unhittable shutdown reliever. <laughs> it's like that's baseball. I guess like kind of like the the Ben Rooker of pitching, where Ben Rooker was, you know, nobody's using him. And now Ben Ben Rooker, his numbers are unreal for Oakland um because he's getting a chance and he's right now in in, in a uh a couple of weeks, he's had a great season where the career has been uh, very uh, nondescript until these last couple of weeks. You're like, holy crap, look at this. Yeah, Brent Rooker will be unrosterable by June. I'm calling it now. Yeah, Plus, absolutely. Uh, Cano is 29 years old. He's not a newbie. I'm just throwing that out there. As oh, well. yeah. that uh, if He was in the uh, – I forgot the tree uh, – Jorge Lopez. He was the, He was what part of the return that Baltimore got for Jorge Lopez. Seems it. to work out fairly well. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move over to some offense. Not as much to pick up in offense this week, so this will be a little bit shorter. No joke. However, Ezekiel Duran, uh, who is a utility guy in Texas, is playing regularly, 
and he's currently hitting 357, 400, 571 in the last two weeks with two home runs and two stolen bases. Govier, are you picking up Ezekiel Duran? Hell yeah, I already was. I love Duran. I loved him last year. I rode him for many weeks last year. He faded a bit, and Josh Smith got more in the mix. Uh, Josh H. Smith, that is. And I got to tell you, man, Duran is the kind of guy that could really help your squad because he's got a lot of positional eligibility. He can hit for some pop. He gets on base. He is just the kind of guy that seems to continually make things happen. My kind of guy, I've always been a fan since I first connected with Ezekiel Duran last year. This is a guy that can service your team with class and dignity and statistical outcomes that you need, which is really the most important thing. Forget class, forget dignity. We want output more than anything. I got to be honest about that. <laughs> Jason, are you in on Duran? Uh, I'm in on both. You know, the same thing would apply to Jaron Duran too, but I, Zeke Duran ah. was somebody to watch this time last year. Uh, and Duran has certainly uh, distinguished himself from Josh. We should take the H out because there's no hits in Josh's game. All right. Now he's like one <laughs> for a bunch right now. Uh, but Duran was, if you, if you recall, there was that competition where one of these guys was going to do something. Well, Duran's uh, definitely has, uh, distinguished himself and is getting that playing time. So yeah, I would be aggressive. And I, I kind of chuckled when you said like, there's nothing out there because in tout wars I have, a, so AL tout wars, 12 team league. I have Tyler Wade at shortstop who was designated for assignment last night. I have a lesbian, Diaz uh, on my bench who is going to the IL with a hamstring injury. So I go to the free agent pod and say, Hey, who's at shortstop eligible? I need, I need a warm body. There is literally zero. There is nobody. You go shortstop and hit submit and no results come up. I have <laughs> no option at shortstop. So I either have to make a trade, and Doug Dennis has already reached out and says, hey, I've got Isaiah Kyra Falefa or Tyler Wells, like or Taylor Wells. I don't Taylor Wells. I don't care. It's like if the guy has a pulse, I'll take him right now. But I literally cannot pick up anybody because that was I noticed that uh this week, that particular position. Uh we didn't really think of shortstop as something in the AL, like, oh, all the focus is on third base. Well, shortstop got thin in a hurry with all the injuries at shortstop with Seager gone, with Anderson gone. And like everybody's backups are now in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, David Fletcher was never, but you had to draft him. Somebody had to. Well, you know, so all of these different guys are up and it's like, oh my God, I just need a shortstop and I have nobody. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm desperately trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I may just take a zero this week and be like, who knows? <laughs> uh, but it's really crazy uh, on the send, but I do like Duran quite a bit. Yeah, um, I think that Duran is an interesting short-term pickup. The underlying skills are not good. Like, he's swinging outside of the zone like 43% of the time. Uh, you know, he's super, super hot right now, but only making league average contact in the zone. Uh, you know, striking out at 26% rate, which is uh, kind of backed up by the 13% swing and strike rate. He's only walking 1.6% of the time. Uh, yeah. this is a utility guy that is hot right now, but that works, especially because the Rangers have a couple injuries with guys like, uh, you know, Seager, who's uh, going to be still out for at least another two to three weeks, uh, according to their manager. And, uh, and so like, he's probably going to play a fair amount. There is power. There is speed. I think the batting average is going to regress pretty sharply down to like the two thirty area. So, that plays, especially because he's about to pick up a bunch of eligibilities. Uh, I think he's played seven games at uh, at shortstop and sec seven games at second base, I want to say. 
Um, I should actually double check that to make sure that I'm not giving uh, improper information. Sorry, seven games in the outfield, seven games at shortstop. He's already got third base eligibility in most formats. Like that, those are really nice eligibilities. But I do think that this is a hot streak that will come crumbling down at some point because I don't like don't don't love the contact ability here on Durant. So. Oh, sorry. Sorry to be uh, the bearer of bad news. Uh, Speaking of guys who are on a hot trick, Eddie Rosario is hitting the ball pretty well uh, in Atlanta (laughs) and playing fairly regularly. Uh, I like to laugh there, Govia. So I'll start with you. Any interest in Eddie uh, Rosario? Everybody can thank me because I dropped him in my auto new league like 10 days ago. (laughs) And ever since then, he has just taken off. I'm like, oh, $7? Why am I wasting? I took over an auto new team in the offseason. And I finally got rid of him, and he's taking flight. And I thought Sam Hilliard would be the guy, but looks like Eddie is uh, making things happen. So I'm not going to pick up Eddie Rosario. Maybe I'm a fool, and maybe I need to revisit that. But as of whatever time it is right now on Sunday, I have no intentions of picking up Eddie Rosario. But for those of you who do pick him up and have him rostered, enjoy. Jason, you picking up Eddie Rosario? Yeah, I kind of have to, uh, but because when I look at it, since you know Michael Harris came back on Friday, and obviously he goes right back in the lineup, and then since he's been back, Sam Hilliard has not played the last two games. Now, I have not seen the match. I don't know if, well, never mind. You know, we had a rain out Friday. I'm, I'm trying to talk through. <laughs> Thursday was Thursday was against a lefty, and Hilliard didn't play, which is what we would expect. Friday rain out. Yesterday rain out. Uh, and so it could be a platoon because honestly, everybody's played well in this situation. Kevin Pilar's played really well, both you know at the plate and defensively in this mm-hmm. rotation. The only person who's not playing well in Atlanta is the guy they should have DFA'd in the offseason, which is Ozuna. And but everybody else, I don't know if, if Rosario is going to get right now. He's been in a lineup every single day this week. But again, we don't know. It could be a platoon situation with Hilliard. They're going to want to make time for uh, Pilar. Pilar's hit eighth uh, the last two games that this team has played with it. So I don't know. In a 15-team, yes. In a 12-team, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, yes, he's he's hitting better, like, over this last week. But it's all, like, it's been atrocious other than that. Like, you know what I mean? We're talking about a truly atrocious played skills to make Ezekiel Duran look like he's got good plate skills so like at this point like i'm not super confident that this isn't just going to go right back into the tank for Eddie rosario is you know in spite of the fact that i've loved him in the past i'm, I'm not buying this i'm not i'm not picking up uh Eddie rosario uh all right brent doyle a guy that govier mentioned earlier in the show has been playing well and he's getting some playing time in colorado jason any interest in picking up brent doyle yes Yes, because he has time in Colorado this week. That's part of the so it's a week by week decision type of thing. But they, they, you know they've got at least three games at home this week. Uh, last time I looked, and so I will take the chance. And he yesterday uh, today is the first day he has not been in the lineup, but he's been out there. Five, he was in seventh or eighth spot each of the past five days. Today, not in the lineup. Uh, I guess it's like it's Sunday. So Harold Castro's got to play or center field. Randall Grichuk's playing center field. So even with Grichuk's return this week, Doyle has not. Doyle was still in the lineup the very next day with that. Uh, and as, as Michael mentioned, we he's actually you know, running, unlike most of that roster. So I will give him a chance until he's no longer around. What about you, Govia? Uh, yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I might throw a few cheap bids in some 15-team leagues. If I need steals, yes, he's got three games at home, and then it's off to New York to take on the Mets. Six games this week. Uh, yeah, I, I'm mildly interested, and uh, I'll 
try to take advantage of it where I need to fill a few outfield spots depending on if they have five game weeks because I'd rather have a guy who has six than a guy who has five. Of course, I wouldn't replace Doyle with his six games over Mike Trout who has five games, but you know what I mean. I'm... Uh, I mean, I think he. this is going to be really telling early on in the week because uh, with Grichik back, I do wonder if Doyle becomes a short side platoon bat. Uh, and if that's the case, you obviously don't want him. They're going to be going up against three straight uh, – or sorry, two straight righties, um, I believe, if I'm, if I'm correct here, uh, in their first games. Uh, of course, yeah, I – Oh no! Lauer. Sorry, they've got Lau- They're going to go against Lauer, then Peralta, then Adrian Hauser. So two righties and a lefty, um, and then we'll get to see in the back end of that week, uh, Colorado's facing the Mets. Um, they've got Lucchese, McGill, and then Max Scherzer coming off of uh, suspension. So we're going to have a pretty good idea by the end of the week whether or not he's a full-time player still or a short side platoon guy. I worry it's a short side platoon. I, I don't know that I want to get overly invested in Doyle. I will say this real quick. Lauer got crushed by my Bozo Tigers. Crushed the other day. So if Lauer's going to Coors, that is enticing from an offensive perspective. There you go. You might you might want to just pick him up just for that, and then you can make a determination at the end of the week, depending on how many games he's played. If, if he's only played in three games uh, this week, though, that's, that's going to be pretty disappointing, even if he does have a big game against Lauer. That's true. Uh, all right. Uh, let's finish off with uh, former top prospect Nick Senzel, uh, who's been hot since returning from the IL, where he makes his home most of the season. Govia, any interest in Nick Senzel? Oh, man. Come on. This guy just won't go away. He will not go away. It's the night of the living dead. The night of the living Nick Senzel. <laughs> and I've already picked him up a couple times last week. So, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm a sucker. This guy ruined my home league in 2021. I bet a, so much on him and Nick Solak in 2021, and I held on to them way too long. And by then, my season was lost. And I blame Nick Senzel for at least 48% of that. But right now, he's swinging a good bat, and he's got an opportunity in the lineup. I mean, a lot of the mess. Remember two years ago, it was, uh, you know, you had Aristides Aquino, right? And then, uh, yeah, and the guy, oh, God, who's the guy who came over, uh, from Japan. He was there and he was a total flop, but there's just a lot of guys, um, um, you know, I'm talking about, uh, he didn't really, Mm -hmm. but it was just a a lot of options in the outfield, but now it seems like it's a lot clearer. So they're playing Senzel. Uh, He's at San Diego and a home against the white Sox. And again, just like cores, anytime the reds are at home, I'm into that. It's, it's not that far off from me, and I know the Reds haven't been as dominant or as powerful at home, but it's coming. It's going to get there. The weather will pick up. So, yeah, I'm pro Nick Senzel because he's also going to get your third base eligibility soon, I believe. Well, double up there, too, because you just said the magic word, the White Sox. He gets to face oh, White yeah. Sox pitching, too. It's like, <laughs> right. you, could you ask for anything better? No. As uh, long as, I mean, even Dylan, even Dylan Cease – you know, I've watched, I've watched both because the Rays and White Sox have played twice now in the last 10 days. So I've uh, two series by this. So I've seen these guys in repetition. Dylan Cease has been a disaster in both outings. Uh, I did not watch Lance Lynn, but when you have six, no hit innings, sorry, Justin. Uh, and I do have him in AL, in AL labor. So <laughs> that's I, right. I felt, I'm not supposed to be talking. Yeah. To you. I felt your pain yeah. in AL labor. Uh, but so it's, I say Giolito has probably looked the best of them all. But it's once you get to the bullpen, all bets are off. 
Ooh. I mean, Ronaldo Lopez has looked fine, but he they, they've lost 10 straight. He's pitching in no leverage opportunities for the most part. They've lost 10 straight. Uh, but yeah, the rest of that bullpen, the in-between of that pen is an absolute disaster right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sentinel, I think, is this interesting guy in deeper formats. I think they're going to give him every opportunity to play. Uh, but, uh, like, it's it's mediocre production at best, I think. I think it is aided. It's going to be aided by that park when it's good. And then when it's bad, he's going to be unplayable. So uh, I, I don't know that I'm super interested in him outside of just streaming at home uh, in some good matchups. So. Uh, not super interested in Nixon. Shogo Akayama was the guy. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I, I was about to say it, it was Shogo Akayama. Um, who, uh, man, I was so high on him. Play guy. Yeah, he's also too, the reason why, or one of the one of the reasons why I was like, I'm just not going to invest in Yoshida or um, uh, Kenta Ma- or not Kenta Maeda, um, uh, Senga this Senga, year because yeah. I, I just need to see guys play at the major league level before I'm willing to take the gamble that they're going to be good. Not so. everybody makes the transition smoothly. Mm-hmm. Every guy's different. You're right. We look at Kim. I mean, I thought Kim was going to be a star too. Yes, um, you know, coming I did. <laughs> from Korea, and he's he's been fine. Like he's been a decent, you know, major league player, but not the fantasy goodness that we thought. That's we been dumbed play. down by yeah. yeah. When you when he first showed up. Kim was, yeah, this guy's getting signed to a major contract. He's going to be a big deal for the Padres. Now, those, that contract's been blown out of the water by, like, five other contracts the Padres have signed. Right. And his uh, reputation, I would say, has been dumbed down by his just decentness. He's not amazing, yeah. so it's just... I think I think we forget that, like, you know, the KBO is, like, single A or double A, depending on, you know, how strong of a team you're playing. And, you know, and Japan is, you know, kind of like double A AA or triple A, depending on what kind of team you're playing. And if you're a 26-year-old murdering single A, double A, or triple A, like, it's not as exciting as we make it out to be when these guys come over. Now, you, every once in a while, you do get the Dice Hayes or the, the Shohei's, but I think, more often than not, we've got guys who are who are just beating up on on not quality competition for the most part. So true. Uh, all right, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, this was a blast. I'm so glad I got to come back on the show. Thanks for having me on, Justin and Jason. Make sure you guys check out the Plotso Podcast Two L's Two Z's. We're doing new episodes every week. I do a prospect show and I do a weekly big show tribute to uh, Dan Patrick and. The guy formerly known as Keith Overman, he used to be just a really good sportscaster. I don't know what he is now. But at any rate, check out the Palazzo Podcast, 2 L's, 2 Z's. And, of course, my weekly fantasy baseball roundup, ftnfantasy.com, Groovy with Govier. And follow me on Twitter at MJGovier. Hit me up about anything, too. If you just want to talk about anything having nothing to do with fantasy baseball, shoot me a DM. I'm down. I like to talk on occasion. There you go. You also have another po- another couple podcasts. You want to promote those as well? Sure, yeah, I do all these pods. If you go to MJ Govier, you can see the four pods are on my Twitter banner. I do a movie pod. I also do the first day pod with my lovely wife, Leanne. We talk about life and trying to, you know, figure this thing out. Maybe do a little bit better than we did the day before. And, well, not being too hard on ourselves. First day pod's a lot of fun. Definitely go check all of those podcasts and his written work over at FTN Out. Jason, where can you be reached and what are you working on? Uh, I'm working on trying to find a shortstop, uh, so, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still doing the, I, as I mentioned earlier during the uh, stat update segment, I'll be doing, uh, more focused on the steals, uh, but doing by week by week. I want to see, 
you know, April showers bring May flowers. Like, what are we going to see in May? And how is it? Are, are we seeing a trend like this week? Obviously, there's been more offense, Mexico City aside, that we're seeing a recovery in some of the uh, the balls in play thing. So I want to see where things are going and how that's going to go. So I'll be uh, changing that up a bit in the weekly uh, installment collect calls. Uh, Rotowire is still going on, and I don't believe I have any other podcasts go uh, guest appearances this week, but I did do the the beat the shift podcast with Ariel Cohen and Ruben uh, on uh, Thursday night. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, check that one out. And you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, I am writing daily at fan graphs and I am writing three times a week at fantasy pros also on the first fantasy benefits podcast and TGFBI podcast, if and when I record that one, which is pretty sporadic uh, at best. So uh, that will wrap us up for this episode. For Michael, Jason, myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.